Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film The Hot Chick. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen it, just be aware there may be spoilers. Enjoy. That's definitely not the first time we've done that as an intro, but whatever. Man, it's a hot chick. Yes! You knew it. You knew what I was going <laughs> to do. I knew what you were doing. Were you going to do that? I was going to do that as well, actually. <laughs> that song, it just fits with anything. It is Shall we it see is if we can do that, songs. use that as an intro for the rest of the year? There, there, Every episode. There aren't many songs that you'd consider perfect, but Smooth by Santana featuring Rob Thomas is yep. a perfect song. It, it is a perfect song. What can you change about that song to improve it? It just can't. Nothing. You can't. The dynamics are perfect. You know, the, when it drops out of the, give me your heart and make it real or else forget about it. And then boom, back in. That's like the perfect shift between bits. It's, yeah. It's the, it, yeah, there's nothing you could possibly change about that song to improve it. It is perfect. It's the perfect length. It is. Um, it's the perfect uh, combination of someone who is just outrageously interesting and someone whose name is Rob Thomas. <laughs> it's vaguely horny. Only vaguely, really, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. And shout out to Rob Thomas for having a very cool voice. I thought you were going to say for having a very cool first name. <laughs> having a very cool first name. Um, I never really listened to the band Matchbox 20. They're actually not bad. Um, they strike me as a Paddy Johnson band. I, I'm not i overly familiar with them with their work oh, but really? um the everything i've heard i like my friend my friend gary is a massive fan um loves rob thomas and some of the other guys in the band have spin-off bands who are good as well they're, they're pretty decent you know that everything i know of them is good because i'd have i'd have put them firmly in the alternative rock johnston category yeah Along, along with the likes of Weezer, etc., that that you're a fan of, they're along those lines. They're perhaps a little bit, a little bit wet milk, so, uh, ah, sort of, and sort of over, over there. But I don't object to them. Um, of course, as well, Rob Thomas appearing in um, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yes, in that's episode. right. Um, so yeah, is he Rob from Thomas? Philadelphia, no, or was that just a? He was born in Germany. Oh, okay. Uh, and then grew up in Florida. So I don't. What a combo! Yes, uh, yeah. So what a what a combination. Grew up in Florida, but didn't end up in a new metal band. So fair play to him. <laughs> yeah, where did Matchbox Twenty ever go new metal? I don't know. It maybe a lot of those bands they start out when they're teenagers covering Metallica, and then they go soft, which is how Jimmy Eat World got started. So maybe you don't know. And speaking of Jimmy Eat World. They appear in the film The Hot Chick. Well, their music does. They don't. I was going to say, do they? I don't think they, they no, stoop to that. But no, they're, they're yeah. It's authority song. Authority song. The Hot Chick. Which is one of my favourite Jimmy Eat World songs. And I heard it and I was like, oh no, you can't have this. This isn't allowed. 
How dare you use this... not not one of the hits, but a relatively obscure Jimmy Eat World track? Any fan would know it, but like most people who know like the middle and sweetness and don't know anything about of their other songs might not necessarily have known it. But it's like that's one of my faves. It's a tune. Yeah, I mean that whole album is truly fantastic. Yeah, um, one of the best albums ever made. I'd probably say. I, I concur, and that's like that's the second to last track. And that could be that could be like a tr- an album opener. It's crazy how good that album is, it's, and it, how it builds between. It's so yeah. good. Um, my favorite songs. I really love Cautioners, yeah. which is the song before the Authority song. I think that's a really good track. But obviously, you've got three outrageously good um, singles. So, Bleed American slash Salt Sweat Sugar, depending on where you are in the world. Yeah. I think. <laughs> Uh, the the name changes uh, the middle and sweetness which I think is an underrated track I don't think enough people give give sweetness enough love yeah have you ever seen them live no I haven't I've never seen Jimmy I saw live. them quite a few times back in the day um, when they were touring Futures um, and the album after that whatever that was and I saw them open for Green Day which was cool and then I met them in the crowd oh, and they very were nice. very lovely and very gracious. Or two of them, anyway. The main guy, Jim. He was really gracious and very nice. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, oh, two of them, anyway. The other members were The other guys were the worst. <laughs> they were too busy off they're, eating world. They're still around, aren't they, Jimmy? Well, they are, still yeah. I think they, they put something new out recently. And since, yeah, the last few albums they've done, like the singles tend to be okay, and then the rest is just like, meh. But you know they've still. I think they have still got it, and I would still go and see them. Absolutely. Yeah, they're they're like ten albums in now, aren't they? Yeah, they've just they've just kept doing stuff. Um, yeah, no, it was it was nice to hear that song. There was also one other song on this terrible movie that I really enjoy, but maybe is a little bit more fitting with the Rob Schneider dynamic, which is "Fever for the Flavor" by Hot Action Cop. <laughs> I was going to say, I was listening to that, and like, yes, that's Hot Action Cop. If there was any. <laughs> <laughs> indicator of the exact time period of a few months when this film was released it is the inclusion of the song <laughs> fever for the flavor by hot action cop what a ridiculous um, song i i love that song i don't know if you know this so stupid i, did we, um, I think we've talked about this on our other show maybe it's one of the stupidest songs ever made um let me just um read a few of the lyrics um i'm oh, no. not going to be able to do a dramatic read many of them i'm not going to be able to to read out many of them because it's so disgusting it is a very sexual song we have a we do have a parental advisory explicit lyrics tag on all our episodes just in case we want to <laughs> we, say the f word we do but, but i'm going to feel like i need to take a shower immediately okay. afterwards it's more for your own um, self-care yes right, yeah it, it's, it, i'm i'm thinking about my own personal resilience it's a, it's right a well-being here. thing So the song opens with the line, do you think that I can get some jiggy jiggy? That's 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 your entry point to hot action. (laughs) But is the jiggy jiggy like in brackets? Because I feel like it goes, do you think that I could get some jiggy jiggy? Like the jiggy jiggy's over there. So in my head, it was just, do you think that I could get some? And then there's a random guy, like probably like the guy in Wheatus who does the shakers. I imagine I always imagined (laughs) in my head it was a guy over there just going leaning in and going jiggy jiggy. Um, I think it was still the same guy, but right. it works both ways, doesn't it? This is this is a versatile song. <laughs> so, but you're reading this out from the official lyrics. So, I'm, yeah. Well, I'm reading it out from azlyrics.com or azlyrics.com. The, the source of all, all correct lyrics. Um, 
another i'm just going to read out a few a few um lyrics here and there i'm gonna take that booty to the nudie dimension (laughs) i think the nudie dimension is the the best lyric in the entire song um do you want to get triple x groovy gimme gimme some of that kind of movie is that a reference to triple x the vin diesel film i assume it's a reference to triple x as in pornography oh okay as opposed to the, because I don't think the Vin Diesel film had come out at this point. Well, it's around the same time. This is two thousand and two, right? Or when was this song yeah. released? Was it before, was it maybe earlier? I, I no, I think this was. I'm, um, I'm about to Google XXX movie, but I think that might get me blocked. <laughs> that might be a bad ISP. idea. Oh, maybe you're right. Actually, Hot Action Cops Fever for the Flavor was released in two thousand and three. So maybe XXX when did when movie, did Vin uh, Diesel two thousand and two. Ah, so maybe they were making a reference to the highly erotic Vin Diesel movie where he plays the new metal version of James Bond. Yeah, but wait a minute. You said that um, Fever for the Flavor came out in 2003. Yes. The Hot yeah. Chick came out in 2002. How how did that happen? This so happened maybe, with some other film from this era, didn't it? Um, so maybe it what was, was released... The song? We had this recently, a few episodes ago, with some song that was in a film where it was like before it was actually released. Um the calling if i could that's right and yeah. i would i'll go wherever you will what film was that it was it was something not good <laughs> it was something terrible wasn't it maybe that was a thing at the time of like them getting songs off of record labels before they were released and using them in films yeah i can only assume that it was released early for things like um for things like movies Maybe it's just because today, you know, if you've got a song like that, you're going to release it, aren't you? There's no way you're going to sit on a pop hit <laughs> like that gonna, for a year. <laughs> you're not going to sit on a song um, that with with such uh, with such incredible lyrics as "Call me the super sexy boogeyman slayer." <laughs> I've got the green glow under my car. I got the boom boom system. You can hear real far. Um, <laughs> I I. I, it's I, not a I subtle truly, song, is it? You want to suck it like a bon, bong hit, whack it. Um, right, is that an invitation to drink, suck it or whack it? Because those are two very different things. <laughs> drink Bacardi and smoke a bowl. Let's party hardy and rock and roll. Um, <laughs> <laughs> genuinely, put put hot action cops fever for the flavour in the show notes. I certainly will. People need to hear this truly genius song from... Well, apparently released in 2003, but surely, surely there must have been a pre-release or something. When did Party Hard by Andrew WK come out? That was 2001. Okay. See, he'd done Party Hard the year before and then Hot Action Cop were like, you need to party hardy. (laughs) I'm just on Hot Action Cop's Wikipedia page and apparently they released a cover of Comfortably Numb by Pink Floyd. Oh my good God. I can't think of a stranger combination. This is this is going to be one of those instances. It's like Chumbawamba, isn't it? Where they've got that one ridiculous hit and then everything else is completely different. <laughs> everything else is totally different. Yeah. Hot action cop. Uh, but I remember their album floating around at school and didn't it have like a woman's bum on it or something? <laughs> I'm sure it did. I don't something think I ever saw. Isn't going to scream, we're secretly a prog rock band. You know? <laughs> Well, you say that, but there's always that art going around of um, the Pink Floyd album covers, but they're all on the backs of naked women. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's that's everywhere. <laughs> Prog Rock fans, 
they've they've got the horn. Yeah, they've got the fever for the flavour. Roger Waters would do a brilliant <laughs> cover of Hot Action Cop. I'm sure. <laughs> of uh, Fever for the Flavour. Sorry, I can't even remember which is the name of the song, which is the name of the band. It's so ridiculous. Let's, <laughs> let's hear a Dave Gilmore cover of Fever for the Flavour. Come on, Dave. Twelve minutes long. <laughs> we know you're listening. Do you think um, that I could get some jiggy jiggy? Well, <laughs> that's my impression of Dave Gilmore. That's a that's a very Dave Gilmore impression. So, unfo- we've had far too much fun at the beginning of this. Episode yeah, unfortunately, we do have to talk about the hot chick. I would den- genuinely rather spend an hour talking about Hot Action Cops Wikipedia page. So maybe, <laughs> maybe that's the show that we do as another spin-off. It's like um, we. <laughs> We just every episode we just talk about like Hot Action Cops Wikipedia page again until it gets extremely unfunny and then eventually comes out the other side. The, the Stuart Lee way of comedy. <laughs> we should definitely do that. We should we should do. I I've I've recently been listening to a really good podcast called Nailed, which is a Nine Inch Nails themed podcast, and they go through each release. Um, maybe we should do that for Hot Action Cop. <laughs> Do it song by song, yeah. Not just release by release. Because well, you're on the, you're on their page. How many albums have they got? So they have um, not many. <laughs> so um, we've got the Nutbag EP. <laughs> <laughs> That's also something I would have released. Um, then we've got Hot Action Cop, the self-titled iconic album. Um, oh yes, you're right. I've just had a look. It's a it's a cop. It's a female cop, but she's wearing hot pants, and it's her bum. Yeah, and that's the artwork. I mean, if if you'd have tried um, to imagine what the um artwork for Hot Action Cop was, that's exactly what it w- would have been. Apparently, they released a clean, censored version of the album. What is the point of a Hot Action Cop album if it's a clean version? How did they even do that? Every other word is some kind of rude act. Um, then they apparently released an EP in two thousand and nine, and another album in twenty fourteen, and then a single in twenty sixteen. Are they still plus, going? Plus, comfortably numb. Um, I am not sure. <laughs> Have you seen the album artwork for Nutbag? It's it's like <laughs> no, a woman's zoomed in on a, a woman's open mouth, and there's a she's pouring peanuts into her mouth, and there's like really <laughs> low kind of low quality like eighties looking fonts on it. It looks it looks self made, which I guess it was. That's truly exceptional. I wonder if we can find it anywhere. <laughs> not <bag>. Um. <laughs> Um, and then, of course, we do have the comfortably number single. Apparently, they're still going. Okay, um, that's good. They've been working on a new action, uh, hot action cop release for the last couple of years, but there's no set release date. All right. So who knows? Maybe we'll get a um, a, a a hot action cop album. Apparently, Timmy Flaherty, who is one of the members of the band, I don't know which one, um, <laughs> one of them plays in a Ramones tribute band. All right. Which is which is nice. I think that makes fun. sense. <laughs> but yes, hot action cop. Yeah, maybe we should do a hot action cop podcast where we 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 go through song by song and we properly dissect the important works of the band Hot Action Cop. The hot action cast. The the hot action cop cast. Yeah, <laughs> that's what people want to listen. What they certainly don't want to listen to is. A podcast about the hot chick by Rob Schneider because no one wants to go through that pain. No, but unfortunately, this is what we do week in, week out. So here we are. It's the Schnorgusboard. It's it's the Schnorgusboard. A third of four courses of, on the Schnorgusboard. Yep. So we have been 
going through a lot of pain um, watching Rob Schneider movies. And this is the third one. We've only got one week to go. Potentially Thank the worst Lord. yet. How do you think this stacks up? This is the worst. This Compared is the to worst. what did we watch last week? The Animal was better than this. Animal is Animal Animal is currently top of the top of the pile. Yeah. Um not that that means much. And this is this is probably worse than Juice Bigelow, isn't it? Juice Bigelow is more yeah. boring, I think. So it's like do you would you rather watch a film that's boring or a film that's objectionable? You know, those are <laughs> the two choices that we have. But yeah, it's this is this is more irritating but less boring, and I think I'd rather have the boring film than the irritating one. Yeah, but this is just extremely, extremely irritating. It starts out all right. Um, it starts out it, with a scene in in Abyssinia, supposedly, <laughs> and then it's there's people walking around and making it look like a sort of knockoff of King Solomon's Mines, and you're like, okay, I'll have this. Yeah, I was very impressed by the first fifteen minutes. So you have this this strange historical scene with magic earrings. Okay, that's not what I was expecting, and I'm glad that it did something new. And then it cuts to a modern-day high school with some genuinely talented, funny actors being cruel. Yeah. <laughs> and it actually, it's, it's, it's not brilliant, but it sort of works. You've got Rachel McAdams and Anna Faris as the two sort of key members of this clique. Was this before Mean um, Girls? This was before Mean Girls, Blimey. yeah. Mean Girls, I think, was 2003, 2004. Yeah. Um, but this kind of does a similar thing, like the really over-the-top version of that kind of trope, um, and does it quite well. But then Rob Schneider gets introduced and everything falls apart, much like many movies that he's in. And this is um, earlier than you realise, isn't it? 2002. In my head, this mm. was much later, and it looks like a film that sort of is done towards the end of these kind of movies where the, the joke, as you say, has definitely run its course. Like, it, you'd expect it to be after Mean Girls, after Mean Girls has done this kind of thing well, and then, yeah, for this to be just kind of a knockoff. But it's actually earlier. It's weird that it's, like, outstayed its welcome before it's even happened. <laughs> it's, you know what I'm trying to say? It's, it's really odd, yeah. It feels like a tired version of movies that don't exist yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's already tired before it's, it's even it's 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 quite impressive that they managed to do that um but it's it's really frustrating i think in a way because they've got some talented people here like rachel mcadams anna faris um alexandra holden as well is one of the other members of the clique um jan um, from the office recognize. jan from the office yep melora hardin who weirdly enough is in a movie that's sort of similar to this which we should watch at some point 17 again oh which is yes the Zac Efron, matthew perry it's not body swap it's time travel but same same kind of idea um and um yeah it's it's weird that yeah she's in that movie as well and um, Eric Christian Olsen as Jake, who is actually, I think, gives a fantastic performance as the kind of douchebag jock guy who's very <laughs> yes, watchable. definitely. Who is in, did you see Community? Uh, I haven't watched much Community, but I've seen some. I've it's, only it's seen funny. like the first couple of seasons, but he played a very, very funny character in that who sings a funny song. Um, he's in Dumb and Dumberer. Did you know that? I've not seen that. Dumb and Dumberer is the prequel to Dumb and Dumber. Oh. Dumb and Dumber when Harry met Lloyd and he plays uh, young Lloyd. Oh, right. Um, so there you is go. Is that supposed to be any good? Uh, no, it is not. <laughs> it is not supposed to be any good whatsoever. Um, 
in fact, it has a very, it has a rating of nineteen on Metacritic. Um, uh, <laughs> referred to by the Austin Chronicle as a nightmarish travesty. <laughs> so maybe that's a movie we should watch at some point. Yeah, sounds maybe like our could, kind of thing. Maybe we could do horrible sequel month at some point where we do Dumb yeah. and Dumber and Mean Girls two. There's a Mean Girls 2? Um, there is. Uh, I also saw the other day that there's a Kindergarten Cop 2. Oh, no. And the worst thing about it is that it has um, Dolph Lundgren in it. As oh, really? The, yeah, he plays, obviously, the stand-in for the Arnold Schwarzenegger character. Um, and I'm just like, oh, man, but you're good. What are you, you doing didn't in need this that. movie? You don't need this, surely. Um, I, I have no idea how bad it is, but I'm assuming it's very bad. Yeah. Um, Some things you just can't do twice, can no, you? No, no, no. Although they'll always try if they think they can make a quick buck. Yes, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, you've got all of these really good people in this film. And you know, you've got the very talented actor Adam Sandler as Mambuza <laughs> Bongo guy. <laughs> which is based, I don't know if you know this, this is based on a Saturday Night Live sketch which Rob Schneider was in back in the 90s. Oh, yeah? Where he's in a shop and he goes, and you can put your weed in it. And that's the joke for like three minutes. He keeps saying that. Oh, God. Imagine if you could, if there was a shop where you could like buy weed stuff. I know. So funny. He's a That, that never man. happens. That's he's, not real. He smokes the, the wacky tobacco, as the cool kids call it. Marijuana. He's got, um, he's got dreads and stuff and wears one of those hats. Yeah. That's, uh, it's so funny, man. So but funny. He's wide. <laughs> and finally it's got that in organically <laughs> finally after two or three weeks we saw that clip <laughs> i put that in the show notes as well there's a very funny clip for people who don't know the reference it's a very very funny clip doing the rounds from the elvis movie which is just people saying he's white <laughs> it's, it's tom hanks uh, who plays what's his name captain tom phillips um <laughs> yes that's the one the guy who discovered elvis and then ripped him off um, and it's like he's the first time hearing Elvis from the radio and the way he, he looks at the camera and goes, he's wide, is the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> so funny. Um, uh, but uh, anyway, going back to the hot chick. So this movie is a body swap comedy. Um, if you've watched one of them, you've seen all of them. This is probably the worst example of the genre. Absolutely the worst. Yeah. If <laughs> you've never really seen bad. one, do not watch this as your first one. No. Big, no. I think, is... Oh, no, that's not really a body swap, is it? That's no, that's kind of a 17 again situation. He's big. Uh, <laughs> he's big. <laughs> but you've got like Freaky Friday. Is it Freaky Friday? Freaky Friday, that's yeah. the one. Which I, I think I saw half of that on TV once and it was quite funny. Which is, yeah, which is fine. Um, And body swap movies. So, so what happens here is that... Somehow the the magic earrings end up one in Rob Schneider's ear and one in Rachel McAdams ear and they do a body swap thing where um but rather than their souls being transported over to the other body instead their body changes to be the other person and unfortunately we don't get a David Cronenberg-esque transformation scene until right at the end <laughs> we don't see it happen initially um yeah there's no horrifying CGI no <laughs> Not until literally the last five minutes. Um, and so Rachel McAdams is a mean girl at high school. Rob Schneider is a skeezy criminal. And he steals stuff, etc. And they swap bodies. So Rachel McAdams' character Jessica wakes up one morning and she's got the body of Rob Schneider. Yeah, but weirdly, she wakes up in his house and he wakes up in her bed. 
but it's her in his body, which I thought was very odd. Actually, usually it's just a straightforward swap of, of the body and the body stays where it is. So that was yeah, kind of confusing. And, 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 and it's weird that it did it the other way around here. But I think because they wanted to focus on Rob Schneider... Yeah, and throw in as many cheap gags as they could. It was like they wanted to introduce Rob Schneider as a as a teenage girl in a teenage in a in a high school. Basically, is what they wanted to try and do with this movie, yeah. as opposed to having it some other way of doing it. Exactly, and it felt cheap from the off, didn't it? It, it feels incredibly cheap, and and part of the reason why is that these kind of body swap movies they rely on two things. One of them is that you spend enough time with both characters before the body swap to get an understanding of what those characters are before the swap takes place. So then there's that enjoyment of watching one actor playing another actor's character and seeing those mannerisms portrayed in a different body. Yeah. And like Face Off is the core is the, is like the key example of this where Face Off you spend a lot of time with John Travolta and Nick Cage's characters, and then they do the face swap. <laughs> they take off the face, add the face onto someone else, and um, and then you get the enjoyment of seeing um, John Travolta acting as Nick Cage and Nick Cage acting as John Travolta, and it's really well done. It's really expertly done by them. Yeah, You don't get that here, because Rob Schneider's character doesn't act anything like Rachel McAdams' character before the body swap. I've seen the film, and I couldn't tell you anything about his character. There, there's no there's no um like rob schneider here as an actor he completely fails to portray what rachel mcadams character is up to that point it's just rob schneider pretending to be a 15 year old girl basically but it doesn't match up with the mannerisms of what rachel mcadams character had up to that point no and and the other issue is that body swap movies also they rely on both characters getting that development and both characters getting that screen time yeah to be able to recognize that thing and it's about how both parts live each other's lives differently whereas here we don't see Rachel McAdams at all for the rest of the movie essentially it's literally like 45 minutes until you see her again and it, and realize that yeah Rob Schneider's character is inside her body and it, she gets maybe like three scenes and then that's it yeah she gets a there's a funny joke where she's buying tampons haha that's oh, I imagine funny. having a period yeah hilarious man, man now has to have period lol um then it's her stealing if only it spent as long on that as it did on penis as and yeah there's, there's all the penis jokes here um then there's stealing billy's car and then there's dancing at a strip club and that's it that's all you get from rachel mcadams in this movie after yeah. the first 50 minutes and it's so disappointing because she is doing far more with this dog shit film than rob schneider does <laughs> she is trying her absolute best yeah, you can see genuine acting here from her. And it's just like, oh, I mean, this was this was young Rachel McAdams here. I mean, yeah. this is... I'm not going to mark her down for it. No, this is like one of the the first movies she was in. Um, and you can tell that she's just a level above Rob Schneider. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Rob Schneider. But yeah, well, all of them are. It's true. And yeah, all of them are like Anna Faris obviously is is genuinely a very funny actor. Um and again is is doing an awful lot with what is a truly truly awful film and a really bad script. Um 
And it's just like, all of these people are just so wasted here. But particularly Rachel McAdams, because you get this snapshot of her character right at the beginning, which almost feels like a um, a prototype Regina George, really, yeah. is, is what it feels it, like. It says here it's her Hollywood film debut. Yeah, yeah. Um, and And then it's just completely wasted. That talent is completely wasted here. Yeah. Um, whereas you could have had something far funnier if it had been both sides. Where... And more interesting than it doing the same thing as all the Rob Schneider movies, which is just the gag is that he's Rob Schneider. Yeah. The, 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 it, Repeated I mean, ad nauseum. Does it, does it count as a gag if it's inherently unfunny? I suppose so. <laughs> I mean, a gag as in, I'm going to be sick. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. The... It's really irritating because you do get this sense that you could have made, I mean, maybe not a good movie here, but you could have made a far more enjoyable movie here. But the entirety of the rest of the film is very much centric on Rob Schneider, which isn't what you want from a body swap movie. You want that that shared understanding of each other's lives. And that's what makes a body swap movie interesting. Yeah. And they don't really build up his character at the beginning at all. It's just like, he's a criminal robbing a gas station. That's all you need to know. And if that's the point at which you do the swap, fine, but you then need to dedicate a good amount of screen time to exploring his life or kind of the person who's been thrown into his body, exploring his life and then finding out the things that drive him to crime and then maybe sort of thinking about how they can help him be reformed or whatever. And there's, there's none of that. And not that could still happen in a comic context. I know that sounds like a very different film and is in no way what they set out to make and sound serious, but I think it is still possible to do that in a comedy. You could easily make that into a comedy. And sorry to bring it back around to Always Sunny, but there's the um, there's the body swap episode of Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is all about racism in America. Oh, yeah, yeah. The gang turns black. Which, which again, makes some serious points and talks about serious things, but in an incredibly funny way. Yeah. Um. You can do that. Really, it's not difficult either to do that. But here they didn't even want to try. <laughs> no. The whole point of this movie was, let's make Rob Schneider wear a tight woman's shirt and then he can he can move with his arms. And, yeah. and that's it. That's that's basically the only joke in this movie. He can try and do a wee and then it will go everywhere. Yeah. Um, and that can happen multiple times. Yeah. I also, I wrote down here, lol, silly man, fall down. And I can think of, that's probably something that refers to multiple things in this movie, I think. Yeah. There's there a lot of that kind of... Pratt falling. Yeah, lowest tier slapstick comedy in this film. Um, somehow he has superhuman strength. So when he's doing like a pillow fight with the with um, um, Rachel McAdams' friends, like Anna, Anna Faris, etc., um, he ends up being able to smash them into the walls and break the plasterboard and everything like that. I don't know if that was a side effect of the transformation as he gains superpower. All men, all men are big and powerful. Yes, yeah, particularly Rob Schneider, a man who is always portrayed as being yeah. big and powerful in every movie that he's in. He's huge. He's a beast. <laughs> he's an absolute tank. How, how tall is he anyway? I always get the feeling he's kind of a weedy guy. Uh, he's actually six foot seven. No, no, I, I should have I, been a basketball player. I have no idea. Um, do you reckon that was him making the the three pointers? No. Do you reckon it was someone else? Rob Schneider, height one point six one meters. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> that could be any height. That's, this is like Fahrenheit to me. You know when they they say 
Apparently Tell he's me. five foot five. Five foot five. Okay. According yeah. to celebheights.com. I use old English measurements, okay? I'm from the time of Chaucer. Just give it to me in feet. The thing is that it's funny because obviously we're using Google in English, etc. Um, I it's is there anywhere in the world that measures height in meters that has English as its core language? Because I'm fairly certain that Australia so. uses feet and inches for yeah. height, and oh, it says Canada here he's five well. foot three. Okay, let's do a. I'm a, over a foot taller than Rob Schneider. If that's the case, I'm gonna put. I'm gonna do a translation here, meters to feet. So one point six. Oh yeah, so according to this, one point six is five foot three. Ten of the shortest men in Hollywood, which means that he sh- he's he's shorter than our previous short king which was the guy who plays peter in um in hunger games oh yeah um what's that kid's name josh hutcherson that's right because he's he's like five foot five i think yeah Um, dave franco five foot seven that's not jack black five foot six i didn't think jack black was that short he is shorter than you than you expect aziz ansari five foot six daniel radcliffe's five foot five I always thought he's, he was he's sort not, of average height. He's not tall, our Dan yeah, Rad. Interesting. Rob Schneider, five foot three. There you go. And Danny DeVito, four foot ten. <laughs> well, yeah, that was that <laughs> was always going to be the top of that list, isn't it? Yeah. And the best of the lot. God bless him. Yeah. Well, Rob Schneider, it never looks like you're trying to prove anything. <laughs> Apart from how much you can make our lives worse. Yeah. In which case, point proven. Um, so this movie has some problems beyond just being lazy and being irritating. There's quite it's a lot long. of... Uh, it is too long. This movie felt like it was about five hours long. I think it ended yeah, with up With Deuce Bigelow long. and um, The Animal, they're both only sort of about 80, 80 minutes pushing 85. And you're like, that that I can deal with. This one's over 100 minutes. Yeah, it's horrendous. Um, and a lot of that is just made up of stuff that's not very funny. Um, fat phobia. Lots of fat phobic yep. content in this movie, just for a change in a Happy Madison production. Um, lots of homophobia as well. Yep. Really, um, really bad. Really bad homophobia um, a lot of the time. Um, and racism. But racism across multiple levels here. Rob Schneider is an equal opportunities racist. <laughs> um, racism against uh, Mexican people yep. uh, comes up quite a lot. Um, well, he pretends to be Mexican. He pretends which is, to and, which be is, Mexican. Yeah, very, yeah. In many ways, I guess it lays the groundwork for some of his later roles, where his whole character is based around that. Yes, but. and 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 in terms of the early movies of Rob Schneider being the lead, is this the first example of him being racist? Because he wasn't racist in the Animal, was he? N- no, there was I don't no think racist so. stereotypes in the Animal. No racist stereotypes in Juice Bigelow. So this I think might, might be right. This might be the first instance of Rob Schneider as a lead man having. Oh no 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 no! Um, so same year, but listed before Mr. Deeds, Nazo the Italian delivery man. Uh, I haven't okay. seen it, but I'm gonna I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna be ninety percent to... confident that that is racist. Yeah, yeah. But there, then, then at least he wasn't. Oh, and hang on. Even before that, Eight Crazy Nights, Chinese waiter. Okay, <laughs> that one I think is definitely. Um, I get, but, it's like 2002 is the year he just suddenly decided to be a massive racist. <laughs> Although I, uh, at least in those two, it was only clearly cameo appearances. Whereas yeah. when we get into things a little bit further down the line, he's just 
being racist with a character that says more than one line of dialogue in a movie. Um, but either way, yeah, clearly this was the year. This was the year where Rob Schneider decided, I'm going to make fun of other people's ethnicities. Um, but there's more than just racism against Mexican people. You've also got lots of racism against Chinese people. And then yeah. that turns into racism against Korean people. Because in spite of the character, in spite of the fact of the character who they're being very racist about wearing things like traditional Chinese clothing, is then revealed at the end of the movie that actually they're Korean. So there's that complete lack of cultural understanding of the different um, cultural identities of these very very different countries. Yeah, and it tries to make out that there's a message of acceptance in the end when she decides that she's proud of her Korean heritage. But yeah, it's just it's very very ham fisted and doesn't uh, work. Yeah, it's incredibly bad. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, multiple multiple instances of different kinds of racism in this movie. Um, almost impressive, but it's not. Um, but yeah, and then yeah, like I said, you've got the homophobia. You've got the weird sort of lesphobia as well in this movie. Because yeah, yeah. I'd say that that comes under the the. It's. Yeah, it sort of occurs towards the end of the film, doesn't it? When it seems like they're they're falling in love as two women and you're like, the film won't let it happen. You just know that it won't let it happen. And then, of course, yeah, it's back to her being with the wet milk boyfriend. Yeah. And the, yeah, um, it, the other woman is just has to just sit there. And you're like, well, this could have done something really interesting and bold and it just didn't do it at all. It's It's desperately trying to make sure that there's zero gay characters in this movie apart from the man who at the end of the movie seems to... Um, drive off having kidnapped rob schneider to rape him uh that's that's literally the last joke in this movie is yeah. um is a really homophobic joke um, which is just awful that really really ended on a really sour note yeah, didn't it yeah really did um and but yeah it's it's a very strange message where it seems as though anna Faris's character is falling in love with her best friend who's in the body of rob schneider um, and you're thinking, oh, well, maybe this could be an opportunity for them to realise that actually maybe they love each other as more than friends and maybe there could be a sweet um, lesbian romance in this movie. No, of course she then has got to be, no, but I love my completely pointless boyfriend character who has zero character whatsoever. Um, and then Anna, Anna Faris, as you said, is just left there like, okay, there's it. But you could have done something like that. Or maybe you could do a body swap story like this and have it being about uh, like trans identities things like that you could use this kind of platform to tell an interesting story about identity about orientation that kind of thing but of course i mean i think that's probably expecting too much of a rob schneider comedy yeah definitely expecting too much i vaguely thought maybe it was going to do it and maybe the film was going to redeem itself it just it gave you just enough hope that that was going to happen for it to then feel like a kick in the teeth when it didn't yeah because i was thinking like juice bigelow did have that whole thing about you should respect women's emotional needs and it did yeah. it in a really shit way but there was still that little central bit there where rob schneider's character didn't sleep with any other women and instead it was fulfilling their emotional needs yeah um, so there is something to be said for that and that was that was kind of there and it's like yeah this movie's terrible and that doesn't redeem it enough at all but it's still something there and i was thinking during this movie it's like it's not wholly objectionable <laughs> exactly put that on the dvd cover not wholly objectionable um and i was thinking here then it's like yeah is there gonna be like that when they change back and rachel mcadams is there in the suit and she's come come back and you can see there's that genuine emotion because rachel mcadams knows how to act 
and her and Anna Faris are looking at each other with genuine emotion. I was thinking, is this going to be, is there actually going to be a moment like this in this movie where it's going to vaguely redeem itself by having an interesting development? And of course, immediately, yeah, like you said, it, it pulls the rug out right from under you um, and just is 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 awful, <laughs> truly awful. Um, so yeah, no, fuck this movie. That should be on the DVD cover. That's the yeah, and just in quotes underneath, underneath Rob Schneider holding up cucumbers to his nipples, which never happens in the film. It doesn't by the happen way. in the film. There's no scene like that's that. not a thing. No one does um, that. That's not what women do. No. Can I talk about a couple of things that I thought were funny though? Yes, of course. Always. I liked when he pulled the guy's ponytail off in the fight. <laughs> yeah, that was good. You know, what I, one thing that I thought was funny was when he's robbing the gas station, they've only got $18. So the guy's like, help yourself to nachos out the machine. And he just like starts <laughs> filling his bag with the nachos and then squirting the like horrible pump cheese into his mouth. That was disgusting, that was, but that made me laugh. That was good. That was good. There's that sense of desperation there, which I think works quite well. Because um, that's the thing, Rob Schneider, when he does things like that, there is that sense of actually some com- comedy there. Like when you you can see those kind of moments in Juice Bigelow where it's that kind of desperation. Um yeah. where there's that patheticness to his characters, which has that kind of empathetic comedy to it. And that's where they it could actually have been interesting and could have actually delved into that just a little bit. And it's like, nah. But no, of course it's not gonna do that. Um I did enjoy where he says over the phone to the boyfriend, I should have made love to you when I had the chance. <laughs> um just for the sheer um, like earnest emotion in his face versus what appears to be a really horrible crank call to the to the to the boy to the boyfriend. It's like okay, yeah, that that's kind of well done. Um, but I'd also like to point out that this is a movie that I think was written by aliens because it seems to misunderstand the way that men talk to each other and the way that women talk to each other about all things. Yeah, it's one of those films where every line is something that no one would actually ever say in real life. Not that everything in a film has to be true to life, because obviously characters say things in a way that advances the plot, but it has to you have to be able to suspend your disbelief, right? Yeah, yeah. And this movie completely fails at that. When it's the scenes where they're like talking about romance or doing stuff behind the scenes where it's like a group of it's a group of girls plus Rob Schneider as a girl, or Rob Schneider talking to the dad where he thinks he's talking to the gardener for instance and none of all of those scenes were like this sounds like it was written by aliens <laughs> yeah or tom um, brady not that one or, or tom brady not that one um and it's yeah it's just really really jarring a lot of the dialogue in this movie um and it also feels really weirdly paced because a lot of the scenes not not even the scenes but a lot of the shots go on for a bit longer than they should i don't know if you noticed that yeah it was definitely i mean the whole film outstayed its welcome but the majority of the scenes did as well like they were just trying to stretch the gags out yeah yeah and i think one of the one of the big problems is that they kind of linger on people's faces during dialogue after they finish speaking at certain points like as as a as a little round of dialogues about to close it kind of then focuses on their face for a little bit too long, whether it's Rob Schneider's or Anna Faris's in particular, were ones where that happened. And it's like, this is really weirdly edited. Like, it wouldn't have been good, but it would have felt better paced if they just cut everything a little bit cleaner. Yeah, absolutely. Could have shaved a few minutes off as well. Uh, which would have been much appreciated. Um, 
but yeah, it's this movie sucks, man. It's <laughs> just rubbish. Yeah. Truly Did rubbish. you like that the um the dad was called Richard Spencer? Like that guy who got punched. <laughs> really? Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, the Nazi who got punched. The Nazi who got punched. Yeah, that's that's great. That made me oh. laugh. <laughs> and there was a bit when um, the, the his wife is trying to talk to him, and he's in his dressing gown, and he's like really fastidiously gluing a model aeroplane. That that really made me laugh as well. Yeah, he got that his was like good. dad glasses on. That's good. And that I thought again. I thought that meant that the dad was going to be a funny and interesting character, and then of course he wasn't at all. No, there's no, a really, no. really obvious kind of, oh, I'm a dad. I'm not having sex with my wife, whatever. And then of course, like it's going to be a really gross thing about his daughter trapped in another man's body, creepily helping them to rekindle their sex life. Just nasty. Just really yeah. nasty. Yeah, just really, really quite horrible. Um, uh, and shout out as well to Anna Faris's dad, Robert Darvey who has been in all sorts of stuff over the years. You might recognise him as one of the goons from The Goonies. I've never um, seen The Goonies. Have you not? Oh, no, wow. I'd probably hate it because it's one of these things that people have nostalgia for that I wouldn't have. But like, It's a, it's a fun little fun little adventure movie. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's good. Kind of feels like a sort of... Um, it's one of those movies that you'd watch at Christmas alongside Gremlins, that kind of... That kind right, of yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a good film. I'm a, I'm a fan of it. Um, but yeah, um, and it's worth pointing out as well. You mentioned Tom Brady, not that one. Um, his career consists of a handful of movies so far. Um, obviously the hot chick, the, the, the top of the bunch. Um, yeah, of course. And we talked about his involvement in men behaving badly, yeah, not that one. About men behaving badly wrote the animal, um, and uh yeah obviously the hot chick was his big big thing um but after that has also directed a movie called the comebacks which does not have good ratings on imdb um that's like a spoof of sports movies those kind of you know um mighty ducks-esque sports films um which has some good people in it it's got um david kutchner um and carl weathers in it for instance oh right um but uh but yeah apparently is is not good at all <laughs> um uh has a movie in the works called nerve endings which is a drama doesn't have anything else attached to it at the moment maybe that's going to be his big break um and uh also did a movie called bucky larson born to be a star Oh, and it's got a man with his pants down on the on the poster. A kid from the Midwest moves out to Hollywood in order to follow in his parents' footsteps and become a porn star. All oh, right. Um, three point three out of ten on IMDb. A solid nine on Metacritic. <laughs> I bet that film uh, is nasty. Variety says one of the most astonishingly unfunny films of this or any other year. <laughs> says here, Tom um, Brady went to Harvard. Oh, there we go. Um, which is interesting. <laughs> they should they should talk more about that on Harvard's um, Harvard's website about great alumnus. Yeah, um, should be on the front page. <laughs> director of the Hot Chick and Bucky Larson, born to be a star. But who knows? Maybe Nerve Endings is going to be like um, when Todd Phillips went on to direct Joker. 
Right. And yeah. it's going to be, be an iconic thing after a series of screwball comedies. For sure. Well, what's more interesting is that this film is produced by John Schneider, who we've not talked about, but who is Rob Schneider's older brother. Did you know this? Yes. Funny yeah. enough, the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays is also called John Schneider, and I like him, so let's not let's not besmirch his good name. But a different. But, yeah. But John Schneider says here is as well as being having doing lots of production and stuff with on Rob Schneider films, it says here he also serves as the personal manager of Tom Green and a creative consultant for Fred Durst. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's like all of our favorite people. That's amazing. What what a brilliant combination of individuals. There's no information here about what creative consultant for Fred Durst actually entails, but you like to think maybe it was like he had added a line to one or two of the songs or like in the video for Rolling was like, move the disco ball up a little bit. You know, <laughs> I like to think like he's that. the one he's the one who came up with the name Chocolate Starfish and the hot dog flavoured water. Yeah. Fred Durst calls him up and he's like, Hey hey John, I I really need your help. Can you help me with this? I, I wanna call this album. You know, I definitely want to call it Chocolate Starfish, but I feel like there's something missing. I feel like we need something else to make it pop. You know what I'm saying? Can you come <laughs> around to my house and like draw on a whiteboard with me? That's what that's what we need. That's and that's how they need. came up with Chocolate Starfish. And the, you know, something flavored, hot dog flavored water. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so what other John Schneider productions have there been then? Has um, it just been Rob Schneider movies? There's it, there's a selected filmography here. Yeah, you got the Hot Chick, the Animal, Juice Bigelow, European Gigolo, Big Stan, which is the Rob Schneider one where he directed and wrote it, where he's in prison, which looks yeah. really bad, which we're not going to talk about. Thank heaven. Tom Green live. No, he's not involved in Freddy Got Fingered, but um, <laughs> more's the pity. More's yeah, the pity. He would not like some sausages. <laughs> Some schnossages. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I just I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, John Schneider, thank you for bringing us these these awful things. Thank you for bringing us the hot chick. Um, so, is there anything else you want to say about the hot chick? Uh, let's see. What else did I write down? No, I think that's it. Oh, I just wrote down. Suddenly, it's bee movie because there's a bit where he's in the cheerleading suit dressed as a bee. Oh yes, he does get in a bee suit and. And then they win the cheer competition, which is pretty much the only jeopardy that in the whole film is like, is she going to transform back into a woman in time or get back in her own body in time to do the cheerleading competition? Because other than that, there isn't really any jeopardy. It's just like they've switched bodies. Okay, now what's going to happen? A bunch of penis jokes. Yeah, it's just a bunch of bunch of penis jokes constantly throughout the entire movie. Yeah. Um, So I've got some trivia for you. So oh, we we've already talked about the bongo player being being Adam Sandler, and then it's based on the Saturday Night Live sketch. Yeah. Um. You, we once again get someone shouting, "That's a huge bitch!" Oh three, yes, I noticed three that. movies in a row. I wonder Hilarious. if we're going to get the 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 fourth in in a week's time. Um. There's a reference to Winona Ryder shoplifting. If you yes, know I noticed that, that as well. I thought that was in very movie. poor taste. Yeah. Uh, that completely ages this movie and lets you know exactly when it happened. Um, and uh, interestingly enough, uh, Melora Hardin and Rachel McAdams are only 11 years difference in age, even though one plays mother and one plays daughter. Right, of course. Uh, because this is Hollywood, where that happens all the time. Um, and this is another case of Pilar Schneider, Rob Schneider's mother, having a cameo, which I think oh, has happened yes. in every movie so far. I think so, yeah. Finished. 
where she's one of the cheering contest judges. Uh, and one final bit of trivia for you. Um, this appeared on Roger Ebert's most hated list. <laughs> of course. Um, so, yeah, that's all I've got to say about this piece of shit. Um, this movie's rubbish. Yeah, it's the worst one we've had yet. This is the stinkiest course of the Schnorgus board. <laughs> exactly this is rotten right. fish. That's exactly right, yeah. This is the, the lutefisk um, as part of the Schnorgus board. Um, yeah. So how are we gonna how are we gonna rate this? Uh, how many days are you trapped inside Rob Schneider's body? Um, thankfully, I'm only sh- trapped inside the Schnoddy for. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm only trapped inside the Schnoddy for uh, <laughs> for three days. That's killed me. <laughs> oh yeah, and two of those. I'll agree with that. Two of those three points are for hot action cop. I've got one point for Hot Action Cop, one point for Rachel McAdams, and one point for Anna Faris. Oh, and one one point for Rob Schneider pouring the like nacho cheese directly into his mouth <laughs> while he robs a gas station. That was the high point of this film. <laughs> it really was. It really was. Um, so we've got one more movie. One more. And then it's back to normal. Yeah. Um, we've got Juice Bigelow, European Gigolo. Yeah. Rob Schneider's magnum opus, as it were, um, and yeah, it's, that's going to be that's going to be something special, isn't it? Yeah, you think how can I improve on the greatness of Juice Bigelow, male gigolo? Take him round <laughs> Europe. Take him to Europe. But the question is, is he going to be like a gigolo in this movie, or is it going to be more of the same where he's he's not having sex with anyone? I think it's going to be more of the same where he's not having sex with anyone. And there's going to be a bunch of European gigolos trying to get him to do it. And he's going to be like, no. Now, I I know one thing about this movie. The female lead from the first film isn't in this one. Okay. So. It's going to be something dumb, like she died in a fishing accident or something, (laughs) isn't it? It's definitely going to be something. If they're either not going to mention it at all. Or it's going to be something like a like a fishing accident, like you said, because there's all that stuff about him loving fish. Yeah. So yeah, she's going to eaten some fugu or choked on some sushi or something. I'm thinking more like fell overboard on a fishing boat and yeah, and, yeah. and was was eaten by an octopus or something like that. That's what it's going to be. Um, yeah that that's my that's my thing. It's going to octopus death by octopus. That's what's going to have happened to her. And Death it'll be, by mentioned, be mentioned offhand at the beginning and then it will go on to gigolo action. Yep. I'm very excited to round off the month of Schnorgust with Juice Bigelow, <laughs> European gigolo. Yeah. Um, all right, then. All right. Well, if you haven't seen The Hot Chick, don't watch it. Go and watch something else. <laughs> um, you can find us on Twitter at BigBoysDon'tPod. You can email us BigBoysDon'tCryPodcast at gmail.com. There's a link in our show notes to where you can give us money, just like a virtual tip jar. Um, and we'll be back next week with the fourth and final film in our run of Rob Schneider films when we talk about Juice Bigelow, European Gigolo. Alrighty. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Got a fever for the flavor. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.